enough anyway? All right. Topic for today is death. All right, you might think, oh, that's great. Um, I told you, uh, I, I've been just every week, I just kind of see what, what God's put on my heart. And, and with Kathy's mom dying recently, it makes me, I, see, I think more about that. Um, I don't think about it all the time, but I've thought more about it. Um, and I thought we most usually don't hear some of this stuff until we hear it at a funeral. Sometimes it's good to think now, not about death, but about what, what's, what is our life What's, what's life with God supposed to be like, and how does it all fit in, and how does that all work? I mean, my dad died 40 years ago, and many of you have parents or family members that have died, and so there's times where we think about it, and then we, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to leap into the, uh, the phrases of, oh, they're in a better place, or things like that, that don't really always satisfy. So I thought, let's just see what the, what does the Bible say? This is, you know, this is our life, and what happens then, and so I have a quote up on the screen from George Bernard Shaw. Um, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. He was an uh, Irish poet, uh, playwright, a uh, hundred years ago. But I've always, I, I've always liked this quote. You know, we all die. So that's the, so what, what, and that's true. Most, most times people would say we spend our lives trying to avoid that, whether it's not just death, but the appearance of death. So, you know, we want to look, We'd like to look younger than we are. We'd like to be more healthier than we are because we're trying to fight it. But that's all, it's a reality of all of our lives. It will be a reality of all of our lives. Except, of course, if Jesus about that, and we'll talk about that. But, but death is a reality. And so it's like, let's, how do we think about that? And let's not just think about it like in a funeral setting, but let's just think about it. That's part of, that's part of how life actually is. God must have some significant part of how we think about that. And it's more than just, okay, after we die, uh, we become angels or whatever, which we don't. So anyway, so anyway, uh, so I'm going to call this one day. Because one day you were all born, one day we will all die. And then other things happen. So th- these are real moments. So first, my first point is this, one day you will die. All right? And you might think, I want to go home. I don't want to hear this sermon. That's okay. But I'm just, we, we know that, but it's like, even in Ecclesiastes, the, the wisdom, you know, Solomon wrote, after all, everyone dies. Paul even writes, in, or, uh, the Hebrew writer of Hebrews writes, it's appointed a man once to die. We, so we know that. So it's not like, it's not a surprise. Um, it's not something we want to talk about. Or if we do, it's only because we have to or whatever. We try to, like I said, we try to soften it, you know, they're in a better place, or this or that, or this or that, and we use sometimes sentiments that kind of put a small band-aid on the wound, but don't really heal it. So that's kind of the first thing. So it's like, we. so you live your life. So, you know, my dad lived till he was 51. You know, I did a funeral for somebody who was six. I did a funeral for somebody who was 19. My mother-in-law was 94. So we all have these lifespans. We'll all have different lifespans. But then whatever that, I'm not going to call it a period because for those of us in Christ, it's a comma, right? It's not a period on your life. It's a comma on your life. But then, then what? Then what? I mean, a coffin, they're cremated or whatever, but then what with these people? You know, what, what, what? So the next point is this. Uh, you'll see Jesus. 
and I'm saying this for those who have the Spirit of Christ in them, because Scripture says this, that, that those who have fallen asleep, Paul says this, God will bring them with him. So if, if somebody's dead, they are, the Scripture also says, absent in the body is present with the Lord. So there's, not, there's no sense of Scripture of this uh, kind of long-term fog that dead people are in. So when you die, you're not going to be in this fog. Actually, once you die, time will mean nothing anymore because you'll be in a whole different realm of time. But um, Scripture says that when you're absent in the body, you're present with the Lord. The moment someone dies, if they are in Christ, they're with the Lord. The, the, uh, Paul even says those who he, God, God will bring those to him. And Scripture talks about falling asleep, but the sense of, and when that's used in Scripture, it used, it's a sense of dead, but it's not, they are in like some, they are in some long-term um, frozen state. So if somebody died 2,000 years ago, they've been sleeping a long time. It's not that at all. The sense is, if somebody's in Christ, they are, they are with the Lord. Now, you might say, what does that mean? I, I just know it's like they're with, they are with the Lord. So you will see Jesus. The scripture even talks about, not even, it's a big part of it, when Paul talks about, uh, the trumpet will sound. This is part of seeing Jesus. There will be a day. Somewhere in this timeline of your life and my life, there will be a day, even if we've already died, there will be a day. Scripture says the trumpet sounds. And then Paul says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then you may say, wait a minute, I thought you said they're already with Jesus. They are. They're with Jesus, but we don't know. The dead in Christ, so physical, the bodies rise. Then it says those who are in alive remain will also be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. So there's a clear sense that when you're, once you die, you're, and, and you might, there, there's a purpose of this sermon because we're not just talking about death, but if we're talking about, if we understand what this is like, then we maybe figure out, so how do I live life well? What does that mean now? So, but, so scripture says that those who die are with Christ, but then when, the, when Jesus comes back, and we, I grew up in a church, we talked about the second coming of Jesus, it seemed like every week, and to my own fault, right? We don't talk about it much in this church, and most churches don't talk about it anymore. But Jesus, clearly, the New Testament followers of Jesus knew he was coming back. Jesus said he was. He's coming back. Scripture says when he comes back, those who have died first will go first. Go where? It says meet him in the air. So there may be some, may be some poetic language. Something's happening. And then those who are alive and remain, if we're still around when Jesus comes back, then we meet the Lord in the air. And, and, and meet the Lord in the air is a, you know, it's this face-to-face kind of thing. So that's going to happen one day. I mean, Paul even says one day you will hear, the, twice in Scripture he talks about the trumpet sound. Now, whether there's a real, real trumpet sound, I'm guessing when Jesus comes back, we will know it. There'll be something, whether it's a trumpet sound, but something will be, all right, so major, major uh, noise, and I don't mean that in a bad way. All right, so you will die. You will see Jesus if you're in Christ. So all these, anybody you know that has died, whether it's your parents, family member, or people I mentioned like funerals I've done, those people, if they are in Christ, they are with Jesus. And then you'll have a new body. This is where sometimes it gets kind of like, what, do we, how do we, what, what's, what does the Bible say? Because we don't become angels, so 
Jesus actually said we be, we're like the angels in some ways, but he doesn't say we're angels. So you don't get wings. You don't get to show up on It's a Wonderful Life Part 2 movie, and it's not you. We're not angels. Um, you, don't get, you don't become chubby or whatever angels are, but you're, we're not angels. But Scripture does, says, does say we'll have new bodies. Um, Paul says we're not spirits without bodies. We are spirits with bodies. So, but there's, we're spirits with bodies, but then, and I'm just going to read this from Corinthians, because Paul says this is what happens with your body, because again, I, you think about people that have died, people you know, like, they have their same body. He says this in first, when he's writing to the Corinthians, we're asking questions about this. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. So that word there means they'll be raised in a whole new body that's different from the body we have now. Imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable, our bodies now are perishable. I mean, I have artificial joints, so I can't see that well. You know, we're all perishable. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So Paul says we have to get immortal, imperishable bodies. And you might what does that look like? When Jesus was resurrected, he had, he was, he's God, but he was man, but he had, a, he had an imperishable body. He, he, he was resurrected in the body. He wasn't just resurrected in spirit. In the same way, we will be resurrected with bodies. And somebody asks, and I might ask, well, do I recognize people? Do I know? Will I look the same? Uh, will my hairline be a little bit better? Will I have dark hair? You know, whatever. I, I don't know what our new bodies will look like, but there's a sense in other parts of Scripture that we'll, you'll still be you. I'll still be me. I will know you. You will know me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. Um, I hope I get new knees and new hips or whatever. I, I'm sure I will. But, no, but, but we get new bodies because Paul talks about that. And there's not this sense of, oh, now, you know. Oh. No, it's not like we're new spirits. We're just spirits. We are spirits who the Scripture says we will have bodies that are immortal and imperishable. It's the way God designed Adam and Eve way back at the beginning of the story. They were designed to be immortal and imperishable. And then sin messed it up. So we will have new bodies, which means you'll be free. Free of all the, all the constrictions of just not our body in terms of health, but our body in terms of like sin. How the flesh wants this, and I really want more of that, or I covet this, or I lust after that. We'll be free of those things. But then I want this last point, which will be my longest part, because I want to make a highlight of this. We're going to live in a new world. We, we tend to think Scripture talks about, which it does, but Jesus never talked about going to heaven after we die. Like we're all of a sudden in this celestial choir loft with our choir robes, and we sing all the time, which for most of us, frankly, sounds kind of boring. You know, but the Scripture talks about in the book of Revelation that there's a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. And there's even in Revelation 21, John, who has in this vision, says, I see the new Jerusalem, basically the new earth coming down from heaven. 
So the earth as God created it to be with Adam and Eve will be what we, li- we will live in the new earth. We're not going to be in heavenly twilight zone and just kind of hanging out and sleeping all day and singing when we have choir practice. But scripture says there's a new heaven and a new earth. It's new. It's a new world. It's the world that was meant when God made Adam and Eve way back here, but it's the world that will, that will be. And then what, what's true of the new world? And this is from Revelation 21. Uh, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. Now just right now, imagine your life today. No tears, no sorrow, no sadness, no death, no pain. That in and of itself somehow shocks us into a new reality of what life could be like. It's the, it's the, life, God, it's the, it's the life God intended humanity to live. So this is in, in, Rome, in uh, Revelation 21. This where it says, you know, that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For all the former things have passed away. So God is not, he doesn't destroy everything. He restores it back to what he designed the world at the very beginning. Where it was, where it was life, human life, flourishing, interacting, relating with no pain, no sorrow, no crying, no sadness. Scripture also then all says in Revelation 21, there's no more evil, no more dishonesty, no more idolatry. And then twice in Revelation 21 it says no more night. There's no more night. And you might say, well, night's not like awful, but it, the, the sense is that even talks about in the, in the new, this is again, some of this might be poetic, but it has a real, uh, real understanding for us. It says, the gates of this new city will never close because there's no night there. So you think about the gates of the city will close at night because there was fear of attack. So if the gates of the city never close because there's no night, that means we are absolutely free and safe and the enemy can no longer touch us. There are no more temptations that you're going to fall to in your life, no more, no more depression, no more this, no more that, because the gates never close. There is no fear of anything happening to you. And it also says there's no need of the sun anymore because the glory of Jesus becomes the light. And again, this, we have to, I have to, you have to, get beyond kind of the, I guess I'll call it almost what can be kind of a sappy tale, sappy fairy tale uh, view of heaven. Because it's not, we are not in heaven after we die. We are caught up with Jesus in the new heaven and new earth. And we become inhabitants of the new heaven and new earth. And, and no more of dishonesty, no more evil. Now, there's also one more no more thing in the new world that, that initially bothered me, all right? In the new world, there will be no more marriage. Jesus said that. When the, when the Pharisees were saying about, you know, what if a guy dies? What if a guy gets married and he dies? And then the woman remarries a brother, and then he dies, she remarries another brother. Who, who's who's going to be married in heaven? And Jesus says, you don't understand because we're never married we're not married in heaven. Um, and at first, that's like, well, it's kind of disappointing. And if, if you're honest, it also means that there's no marriage, there's no sex. Really? Well, so there's some that might be like, why don't, 
really want that till I have that. But I, I'm not, this is not, I'll just, the reality, if there's no marriage and there's no sex as we know it in the human world today, then the intimacy and excitement and thrill of our relationships in heaven will make sex and marriage seem boring and pale. I, we, have, we have to come to that conclusion or else why would Jesus give this incredible, powerful gift of intimacy and then take it away? He doesn't take it away. He changes it so it's something more than we've ever imagined. And again, there's not marriage, no sex, but intimacy is what it was meant to be. So I don't know how that all fleshes out, but I do know we're not going to be disappointed in heaven because of certain things that aren't there. All right? And what somebody, some people say, about, well, I know my husband or my... We'll know people, but Scripture says we'll know as we're meant to be known. We will know people intimately. And, and marriage, perhaps, was even God's way for us to help understand him more. But, so it's not... It's this whole new world where intimacy... And relationships will be full and satisfying in every capacity. There will be nothing left out. Nothing we're going to be like, oh, I wish we were back on earth because we had that. So we live in a new world. No more pain. No more sin. No more attacks. No more fear. No more depression. No more death. And incredible relationships. And Scripture even gives the sense that we... From when God told Adam and Eve, he said, um, I, he created them. He said, now take dominion over and rule the earth. Well, if that was his original intent, then I'm assuming that when we're in this new heaven and new earth, we will still be living, interacting in a way where we take dominion over the earth, and you will be you, and all the things you enjoy now in this life will be you in that life. You will be you. God doesn't all of a sudden say, okay, I'm going to change Drew's personality. No, he's going to say, no, I'm going to completely unleash Drew's personality or my personality or John Kensick's personality. You will, you will be you. You're not going to all of a sudden become a robot and God's not going to put some, something inside of you. You will be you. But you will be you with no shackles, no restrictions, and full life. And what do we do? I don't know exactly what we'll do, but if God wanted Adam and Eve to oversee creation, then apparently we'll be doing that. Because we're not going to be singing in the choir the whole time. We don't just walk the streets of gold trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. But we do life as the way God meant it to be. And then the... Uh, wait a minute. I think this... Do I, what's my next one? Okay, back up, back up. The last thing on the, on the, on the new world. You we live in a new world, you have no sorrow, no pain, but we live in a new world where there's lots of singing, lots of shouting, and lots of joy. And you might say, well, there, there's that choir practice thing, all right? Okay, let me, just, let me just stop for a second. So I'm really kind of discouraged about IU basketball lately, but Tuesday night I went to a basketball game with my daughter Gretchen, and Indiana played well, and they won. So what happens when, 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 you, when your side is victorious? There's lots of singing and shouting. And people are doing this. And you feel good. You feel alive because you feel like something that's happening is giving me meaning. I'm part of this. You know, so there's singing and there's shouting and everybody, 
If it's your team winning, everybody enjoys singing and shouting. It never gets boring, right? So if there's singing and shouting in heaven, and there's a lot of it, it must be because there's a lot of joy in heaven. So in the book of Revelation, there's, it seems like whenever they talk about a song in the book of Revelation, I saw this great crowd, and then it'll say, and they were singing in a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. They were shouting in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God and to the lamb. So there's all this happening, and it's not just, okay, we're going to go to sing and shout practice. It's kind of like, again, it's really, really small to compare this to an IU basketball game where they're playing well. So I'm just saying it's really, really small. One author I read calls this false transcendence. We are part of something that makes us feel we're part of something big that gives us meaning and joy in life. But don't, I'm not saying it's bad to be enjoyable when IU plays well or Purdue plays well or whatever team you root for. Please don't root for the Chiefs, though, next week. But other than that, you know. But it's not bad to have that kind of joy. But let that be a foretaste of the larger transcendent joy that Jesus wants for us, where we get meaning and life and purpose from him. So don't, don't try to separate, well, this is my I cheer of this life or whatever, seeing and joy. Let that cheer be all there, but let that be a shadow and a pointer to that, that when, you, when you're like a live athletic event or music event or whatever, let that be a pointer to you of how God made you. He made you for that kind of joy where you're actually expressing yourself. So there's all kinds of shouting and singing and joy in this new world, because that's what we're made. So in this new world, there's shouting, there's singing, there's joy, there's no more pain, no more tears, no more evil, no more attacks, no more suffering. There's intimacy to the nth degree that brings you joy and satisfaction. That's what happens when you die if you die in Christ. So it's like, let's, so then, then we have to back and then say, okay, let's ask, this is my last question. So how's your hope laid? Because the New Testament authors always talk about the hope of the coming of Jesus. So you might think, well, my life, so right now, it's easier for me to say, well, the hope of my life is I want to retire well. I want to be able to see my kids. And that's okay. But you know and I know that when life happens, sometimes those don't happen like we want it to happen. But I have a, Paul even talks about the anchor of hope of what life with Jesus in eternity would be like. And it's not like I said, we're not angels. We're not floating around. It's full of abundant joy, the lack of evil, and you will be you in an unrestrained, unrestricted way, in a way that you will totally feel alive, fulfilled, satisfied, connected well to people. So that's your destiny. And Paul said, and it's like, well, then you, then you might think, and because I think about this, well, why am I? Why are we still here? Then why does God just take us? don't always understand, but God, you know, does say God is patient and wanting more and more to come into his kingdom. And he wants us, the person you are now and you are now becoming will be who you are then. So part of how you cultivate your own heart now will be part of who you. So there, it's, it's one continuous kind of life. It's not like I live my life, boom, now I start this new thing. It's I'm living my life, comma, and now who I am is going to be part of this whole new world. So it's, uh, we should not be, um, I think I've said this a couple weeks ago, we should be the best Christians, 
Followers of Jesus should be the best grievers of all humanity because we don't grieve, Paul says, as those who have no hope. We grieve. So, yeah, I'm sad. My dad died. Kathy's dad died. Other funerals I've done, people I know. I'm, of course there's grief and sadness. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve knowing there's a larger story for all of our lives, and one day we'll part of that story. And if our story is simply this story, period, then Paul even says we should be pitied among all people. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead and neither are we, then we're, we're a pitiful lot. I'm, I'm paraphrasing Paul a little bit. We're a pitiful lot of people. But if there's more to this life than this life, then there's something, then, then you can anchor your hope in that. So no matter what happens in your life, the restoration of all things. Jesus said in Revelation, behold, I'm making all things new. That's what he does. He's already doing that for those of us who have the spirit of Christ in us. But he's like, I'm making all things new. He's not destroying everything. He's restoring everything. It's the restoration of all things. And the life we live there. My son David always tells me, quit crying when you preach, Dad. But this, this, this is, this is, I'm not, this is not even tears necessarily driven by funerals of my, you know, my dad or Kathy. It's more of this is what the life, Jesus said, I'm making all things new. Either, he, either we believe him and we trust that that's what he's going to say and that's what he's doing, or he's not. And if he's not, let's go home and quit going to church and just make the most of this life, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, for tomorrow we die. Or if that is what he's doing, then our whole understanding of our lives even now are going to be, should be radically anchored in this hope of, I'm going to make all things new. I'm making all things new, including people, including things. I'm making all things new. Life will be all that we want it to be. So let me pray. So Jesus, I pray for all of us to have uh, just a freshly anchored hope. Um, because we know, I, I know, I don't know everybody's stories here, but I know none of our stories are fairy tales. None of them are working out all the way we wanted to. Um, there's pain, there's death, there's sadness, there's evil. Those things are, we walk through those with your spirit inside of us, but we don't walk, uh, you, don't, you don't eliminate those things from our lives. We still walk through those. But Jesus, would we, would we not anchor ourselves in the mentality of, I can make my life work better and start controlling and micro-controlling our lives, but can we anchor ourselves in, I trust that Jesus is making all things new, and I trust his goodness, and I trust in the day and the heart of God that will be no more evil, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more depression, no more death. So we love you, Jesus. Um, uh, we ask this in your name. Amen.